0: Good morning. You heard in Matt's prayer uh, about my mom's passing that actually occurred early, early this morning in the middle of the night. And uh, we mourn, but we mourn as those with great hope in the hope of the resurrection. Um, And uh, I will be heading out to North Carolina to start working on things there uh, to close up her affairs and get ready for her memorial service. But uh, wanted to be with you today. So I, we made it through the first service. Lord willing, we'll make it through well here together. Thank you so much for your prayers all along the way for her and for me and all of our family. Uh, this is a passage about how care comes, care like that, compassion like that, like you've shown to me, God's compassion to us, God's compassion through us, particularly to those that are strangers, those who are outsiders, those who are sojourners, those who are aliens, those who are poor and oppressed, those who are widowed or orphaned. Um, Here is the good news for all of us in this space. So hear the word of the Lord, stranger love. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child, if you do mistreat them, And they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. This is the word of the Lord. To God. Let us pray together. O oh Lord, heavenly Father, thank you that you care for the poor the widowed, the orphan, the stranger. Remind us afresh today of your compassion and grace for the least of these and for all of us. Remind us, Lord, that we are impoverished before you, needing the riches of your mercy, that we are in bondage and need release, that we are husbandless, and wifeless and need to be married to you, O Jesus, forever, that we are fatherless and motherless, and Heavenly Father, need your loving care anew today. Lord, help us to connect with your grace. Help us to connect with the needs of those around us. Help us to find new mercies today for the stranger and for all of us. We pray it, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So in college, I was never a part of a fraternity. Uh, since then, as an adult, I've never been a part of a service club or a, a social club. Uh, my family growing up or since has never been a part of a country club or a hunting lodge or something. So I've, I've not been a joiner in those ways, in those kind of communities But I have been blessed to have these various kind of very tight clusters of friends that I've sort of collected from different places and stages of my life. And one of those friend groups is having a big celebration coming up. One of my very good friends is planning that and putting that together. And he put out an email thread for all the folks who are involved in that to get ready for this big event that he's got going. And uh, I realized somebody's missing I'll call him John, that John was kind of on the outside of things with this group, but was really a part of it. And and so I realized John's not included. So I reached out to John. And, uh, and I said, John, did you know about this? And he said, no, I, I didn't. And I said, well, would you like to come be part of this? And he said, yes, I would. And so I contacted the person putting this all together. And I said, we missed John. And he said, I'm so sorry, Paul. Yes, please invite John. I'll send an invite to John. So all of this kind of has happened across the last few days. And yesterday, it was kind of all finally pieced together. And John got a formal invite. And he texted me. And he said... Paul it means so much to be seen to be remembered to be included thank you what's so funny is is that John is a christian John is a pastor that John founded and pastored for many years one of the largest congregations In the United States, it's outside of our part of the church in the Presbyterian Church in America. That's an independent church. But just this wonderful gospel community went on after that to serve in another mega church that is a beautiful gospel community. And now it's working full time in a ministry to men and serving men and pointing them to Jesus. And, uh, And John was like overwhelmed by this little touch of inclusion. Now I share this story not because I'm good at that cuz i'm really bad at that cuz that's like a big exception for me to think in those categories maybe it was because i was working on the sermon i don't know you know but i actually thought that way in a very odd way i miss so badly there so often to include the people on the margins is that a struggle for you It ought not to be in the church. Jesus says we're to excel at that. We're to be his people that he's planted in the ground like a mustard seed that are growing to this largest of trees that fills the garden, that has room for birds of all kinds to come perch in the branches to find shade and rest there. But it's like we're not good at putting out those branches and making room and inviting in so often why do we struggle with this as Christians when we've been included into the life and love of God right why do why do we do this well I think there's at least two reasons one is we like to be safe we like tight little groups because they feel safe to us in a a hard world as the church is is sort of this this unique community We, we want safety we want people we can trust and know okay okay but I think there's another reason so often we overlook the outsider, and that is we want to be in the inner ring. We want to be in the special group. We want to be in the group that's really, really important and significant. C.S. Lewis wrote a whole article about this, a little chapter in a book of his called The Inner Ring. And he said, you know, we grow up doing this in school and we do this into adulthood. We try to find that that club or that people group or that friend group that's really in the know, that's really on the inside of things. And we just sort of revel in being in an inner ring. And then you get there and you realize, well, eh, okay. I need an inner ring and an inner ring inside that and another, right? We keep scrambling and scratching and clawing, right, to get in that really tight circle. When the beauty of the gospel says to us, we've been brought into the ultimate inner ring, the eternal one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus has come into the world and into our lives to to welcome us into that space. And the Father, Son, and Spirit said, we want to welcome a group so big it's a multitude without number. It's many as the grains of sea on the seashore and, and, and stars in the heavens. But we miss all of that. And so when we see strangers, aliens, foreigners, when we see the poor, when we see people in debt around us, when we see orphans or widows, so often we just ignore them. Or we step across them, like the rich man does with Lazarus, out on his doorstep every day in Jesus' parable. Or sometimes we even step on top of them to get to where we want to go, with whom we want to be with. We struggle with this. We struggle with stranger love. The problem is it's a bigger problem than we ever admit in a lot of ways, right? It's it's a big deal here. Did you hear the warning inside this passage? Did you hear it? Let me read it to you again, just so that it's fresh for us. Verse 22 and following You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child if you do mistreat them. And they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. Wow, that's strong. Our confession of faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith, part of the standards of our part of the church, says that true faith responds to the different textures and tones of Scripture in different ways. When we're hearing promises, we're to believe them and cling to them. When we hear commands, we're to seek the grace to follow them. But when we hear threats and warnings, we're to tremble before them. Need to do some trembling here today. This is a heavy, heavy threat here. You you say, well, Paul, that's Old Testament stuff. Okay. Okay. What did God say about Sodom and Gomorrah when he destroyed them? Not that he rained fire down from heaven, that he burned against them because of their sexual immorality. He does not say that. All the story there in Genesis does highlight that point. What the prophets tell us, Ezekiel says, that God rained fire down, that God judged Sodom and Gomorrah chiefly because they had an excess of food and they were abundantly prideful and they did not share their excess with the poor and needy around them. And thus they did an abomination before me. More Old Testament. Yeah. How about the new? What does James say? True religion is this, to keep yourself unstained from the world and to care for orphans and widows. What does Jesus say in his teaching on the sheep and the goats near the end of his public ministry recorded in Matthew's gospel, that when I come back, when I sit on my glorious throne, uh, there will be people on my right. There will be sheep who will have given cups of cold water in my name and clothed the naked and fed the hungry and visited the prisoner and cared for the sick. And, 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 and they say, Lord, when did we see you in those places? And he said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it as truly unto me. It was actually me you did these things for ultimately and to. Then there's the goats on the other side and they say well lord when did we not see you in those places when did when did we not care or clothe he said when you failed to do it unto the least of these you failed to do it unto me and his teaching ends with saying and these will be cast into the outer darkness into the place of destruction you can't magic this warning away it's real And it's hard, and we need to tremble before it. But that's where the surprise, the surprise, the beginnings of good news of God's grace comes to us in that lowest of points down there, right? The surprise is that God says, I am Compassionate. Do you hear the way the passage ends? Even if you neglect them, I will hear the cry of these people and I am compassionate. The Father promises compassion to those on the margins and to all of us. There's direct grace offered to those on the margins and there's indirect grace offered to all of us. Let's unpack that a little bit. I am compassionate. If you're someone living on the margins, If you're an outsider, if you're you're in poverty, if you're in great debt, if you're someone who constantly gets overlooked and ignored and stepped around or stepped over, hear the Lord saying, I will hear your cry. Just like I heard the cries of my people in bondage in Egypt. I will hear your cry, and I will deliver you. How's that going to come? That can come from a renewed and repentant church like ours, one that's being saturated with the gospel of grace. I think Redeemer at 21 years has not been faithless in this area. I think actually Redeemer has been beautifully faithful as a whole in this area I was going to breakfast yesterday Um, what a long day and interesting day yesterday was Fran's grandmothering in Alabama I'm kind of here by myself I did some exercise in the morning and went to get some breakfast and I'm sitting at the counter and a new member of Redeemer came up to me and we began talking and and just sharing some about life together and uh, he just volunteered not knowing we're going to talk about any of this as someone new to San Antonio, new to the United States, how much this church has welcomed him and loved him and cared for him and served him and that he continually gives thanks for a caring church for an outsider. So praise God for that. This happens when Chrissy Fitch... And others go to the bus station during the week and serve those newly coming in to our part of the world. This happens when Bernard Hildebrand and John Fitch and Victor Martinez and so many of you go down to Reynosa with Isaiah 55 and serve people on the margins there offering medical care and love in Jesus' name. This happens when you open your homes, as many of you do, to functionally, organically, or, 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 or structurally and formally foster children who need a home, who need a place, and welcome them into your family's life. This happens when we make thousands and thousands of boxes of blessing each year and send them out as touches, as cups of cold water and, and little taste for the hungry. It happens When people like Ed go to the prison and serve and love men there, it's happening. And that is beautiful. And that is how God moves and extends grace. But if you're someone on the margins and you say, well, I'm still getting overlooked. Or I know people in my world that are getting overlooked and not touched. It can happen even as God works beyond his people in his church, when he even has to work beyond us or even counter to us, right? Think about how, you know, the Lord came and, and just swooped down like his own eagle's wings to deliver those widows in Elijah and Elisha's day when no one was caring for them and their families, when they were foreigners even to the people of Israel. And God delivered these women and their children. Think about how God did it for Rahab and for Ruth and folded these women into the story of the life of his people. It happens. God will hear your cry in that space. Let's talk about the indirect grace offered here. The amazing surprise that God's compassion can come to us, even if we're failing to love the stranger, failing to love the poor, the weak the widow, the orphan. You can read a passage like this and say, okay, How much do I have to do to escape judgment? How much do I have to do to make God's anger not burn against me? How much do I have to do to make sure that God's sword doesn't come after me? How many children do I welcome in? How much money do I give to a a ministry to to abandon women or or, or abused women? How how, how, how much do I have to give? How much do I have to go serve to immigrants and welcome? How, How much? And you just are headed down the wrong path with that. Because if you look at this story in light of the whole flow of Scripture, the hope here is, is that God himself came to bear the wrath due us. That God took on human flesh as an outsider among us. And that Jesus the Christ actually was willing to suffer outside the camp, outside of care and love, so that we could be forever brought in. Our hope is is that judgment is paid for us and that God will renew us. That God will cause us to become compassionate people more and more. That we have faith in the work of Christ for us and faith that says, Lord, give me a repentant life. Help me to start caring about what you care about. You lean toward the poor and the needy and the broken and the orphan. Lord, Help me to lean there, too. Please, Lord, give me new mercies today in this way. Now, the good news flows through us and to us when we get in touch with those mercies to all of us and when we start saying, my stories are fully connected with the stories of the people on the margins. Did you hear Chrissy in her analogy? The goal in this kind of space is not to have a soup kitchen mindset where you're up on a podium or behind the railing and you're leaning down and handing something really good to someone need. Rather, it's to be on the same ground, sharing food that together you have been given before the Lord. When we realize our stories are their stories, then grace really flows. So I got word about 2.30 last night that my mom had passed away. And Fran's gone, Fran's grandmothering in Alabama, and uh, I quickly made some flight reservations for tomorrow and talked to my daughter in North Carolina and you know, got some beginnings of plans and said, I'm going to try to go back to sleep and I want to be at church tomorrow and I want to be with Christ's people tomorrow. I want to be with my family tomorrow. But what I realized lying in that bed at three in the morning was I'm an orphan now. You know, I'm 61 and I'm married and I have a beautiful family and I have lots of friends like you in my life, but I'm I'm an orphan now. And what God wants us to do is not just when those life circumstances hit to connect that way with those on the margins. But to realize all the time, did you hear it here in this passage? Why should you care about the stranger? Because you were strangers in Egypt. And I cared for you. It just rings from Scripture to end to end. You were in bondage, and I freed you. You were in prison, and I opened the prison doors and took the chains off. You, You were impoverished, And I gave you the riches of my mercy. You you were spouseless. You were without husband or wife. And I now marry myself to you in love. You were fatherless and motherless. And I am your heavenly father adopting you. And I will treat you as the greatest of mothers with a mother's love as your heavenly father. See, that's when the grace really begins to flow to us and through us when we see our need. I I love what another Moses said, fourth century Christian, Moses the Black, an African Christian uh, who was involved in in all kinds of of deviancies and and was a bandit, uh, literally, and gets radically converted and goes and lives in a monastery. And he said, You know what? You know how you defeat the devil? You can't defeat him by fasting because he never eats. You can't defeat him by laboring long because he never sleeps. But you can defeat him together with your Lord Jesus when you are humble because he has no humility at all. And humility is God's path For grace to flow to us and through us. Compassion runs, it runs like a river through us when we're realizing our stories are their stories. Tim Keller preached that, you know, the the famous pastor, preacher, writer that died within the last year, just um, he. He, he preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard him preach at a conference we did on mercy within our part of the church. And it was old. I used to have it burned on a CD, and I'd put it in my car whenever I drove when cars had, you know, CD players in them. Uh, and, um, and, and he talked about how his family went on a vacation one time. They, it took so much to get their children, and he and Kathy out of New York, and they began driving into the countryside in Pennsylvania, and they stopped at a McDonald's on day one and and he goes in i'm going to go to the food and get the counter you guys go to the restrooms and i got the order here and he said i managed to get in the longest line at mcdonald's and it didn't move at all and i saw at the end of it was a cashier that clearly looked like she had come from another part of the world and her english was very broken and um and she you know was having a hard time even making change and he said i stood at the back and my teeth just ground. i can't believe this (laughs) And then he said, oh, I remember I read this morning from Exodus 22. I should have pity on the outsider. Okay, Lord, forgive me. Help me to have pity. But then he said, I realized the whole context of that story is inside of God's amazing compassion for us. And Tim, you're just like her. You're just like her having to learn a new language in the gospel. You're just like her having to learn how to do life and, and, and in a sense, you know, transact life in the grace of the gospel. And you're an outsider, Tim, without the mercies of God. And he said, by the time I got to the counter, I wanted to hug her <laughs> and embrace her because the gospel had touched me in a new way. Well, where does all that leave us? It leaves us in the hope is that grace is running to us and through us. That compassion is renewing our lives. uh, That as outsiders are folded in, they become a part of this multiplying grace of God's kingdom. They become ambassadors of this compassion and wonder. And that's really who my mom was. My mom uh, was really an outsider in her own family. She was the middle child of three daughters of a Baptist pastor in the Depression era in rural South Carolina, they were all people that were really happy and fun. Her her father and she would my my mom would always say to me, "Paul, you're just like my dad." And half the time that would be a compliment, and half the time that would be not a compliment <laughs> of scatterbrainedness and kind of you know you're a mess. Ma- she thought she had to kind of plan the family's patterns and 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 structure when she was kind of in her you know preteens. So she always felt like an outsider inside of her own family, but God's grace touched into her. She was never the favorite one. She was never, her sisters were always called the beautiful one, she said, and she wasn't ever called that. But she knew God's favor. She didn't have that bubbly personality. She was stoic and gruff, but she knew God's grace and God's favor. So my mother was the first person in Polk County, Florida in the 1960s when waves of people were coming from Cuba to Central Florida and other parts of the world to start the first ESL for the public in Polk County, Florida. And then as she's teaching ESL, she realizes there's another great need inside of this. We need a citizenship class. So she starts the first citizenship class in Polk County, Florida in the 1960s. My mom was an outsider that got welcomed into God's love and grace and showed me how to do that and got caught up in the flow of the gospel of the kingdom. And so may the Lord make it so among us. May there be mercy abounding to us in all of these spaces today and may we know the great mercy of the Lord that renews us in His love. Let's pray together. Thank you, O Lord, for this time. Thank you that your mercies really are new each morning and your faithfulness is great. Thank you that you have shown mercy to strangers like us. And that is a strange love, God, that you would love people like us. But you do. And you want that compassion to flow to us and through us. So, Lord, make it so, may it make it so as we realize our stories really are alike with all the people on the margins. We are just like them in every way. Not just circumstantially, but holistically and spiritually before you, O Lord. So Lord, touch us with this grace. Thank you for forgiving us the judgment due us. Thank you for giving us new life in you, Jesus. I pray for any here today that this is new to, that feel like they're still outside of all of this that this would be a moment to hear, to tremble at these warnings and cling to these promises and come in and find life, find mercy, find compassion. We pray it all, Jesus, in your name. Amen.